0: Have you ever taken the time to think about your work versus your self-worth? It's definitely a conversation worth having, and our guest today, Jen Abels, and I are going to dive into this topic because it's so easy to really tie ourselves to our work and not be able to see our self-worth outside of that. Have you ever felt like there was something missing in your business, something holding you back from the success you're seeking? If so, you are not alone. For nearly 20 years, that's exactly how I felt as a business owner. It wasn't until I discovered human design that it all became clear. And it turns out that I was the missing piece in my own business. Join me on this journey of discovering the real me and hear stories from other business owners building businesses around all of their awesomeness. I'm Young Pratt, and it's time, my friend, to amplify your awesome. I am so happy to have Jen Abels on the show today. Welcome, Jen.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
0: So let me tell you a little bit more about Jen for those of you who haven't met her yet, because she has quite the backstory. I love it jen has worn many hats in her life from insurance underwriter to professional dancer to the founder of a charity this journey has taken her from a cubicle in philadelphia to a white house guest and it also includes a flag being flown in her honor in kandahar airfield in afghanistan How cool is that? Jen, we have so much to talk about. We are definitely kindred spirits. We chatted before this interview. And so I know we have so much goodness to dive into. Are you ready?
1: I'm so ready. Let's do
0: it. (laughs) So I want to know, take us back to pre-entrepreneurial journey. What were you doing? Part of that was in a cubicle. What were you doing and how did you get on this path to being an entrepreneur? It's, a, it's never a straight
1: line, right, to get to get there. I have a degree in risk management and insurance, so I thought I would do the um, the smart thing, the expected thing, right, uh, to obviously get a corporate job, you know, do the corporate America thing, and my passion in, for, for the arts and dance was supposed to be something that I could keep as a hobby, and I really thought I could be one of those people who had a job, a nine-to-five. And then after work I could do my hobbies, but the more I got into my hobbies, the more I like, I realized that this is where I come alive. This is where I feel the most me. And the more I started comparing what I would do in my free time to what I was doing day to day, I just felt like there was a huge disconnect. And I don't know that in my 20s, I really had the words to describe what it was that I was feeling. I just knew that it felt off. And I knew that I felt that I wasn't living up to my own integrity and my own standards, that my work was getting sloppy, just because I didn't feel that, A, that I felt like it was my purpose to, to be an insurance underwriter, or when I moved into consulting to be, you know, a project consultant, but I also didn't feel valued. I didn't feel like what I wanted in my career mattered. I really, I got a degree in insurance because I wanted to go into human resources and employee benefits. Was I thought naive, idealist mind that my job could be to help people and you know, getting into the real corporate life is that like my job was actually to help the company, not to help the people. And it felt like, oh, that's not what I want. And the more I tried to get into, could I, could I do some training and just facilitating? Cause that's what I love to do. Um, I was always encouraged to stay in my lane, do the job you were assigned. And I know you're interested in these other things, but this is your job. Um, and at some point, I just was I'm like, I'm I'm young enough to take this leap of faith to pursue a career. At that time, it was a full-time career as a professional ballroom dance instructor, which meant I could also then compete professionally. And a real strange leap from degree in insurance to professional ballroom dancer. But I danced in order to keep my sanity while I was in my corporate life. And I was just like... I'm too, I'm too young to not know what that life could be like. And I always thought that if I could try it, if I don't like it, what's the worst that's going to happen? It doesn't work out and I go back to doing something else. So I took a
0: leap of faith and went into ballroom dancing. Ah, oh, so good. And I, I can relate to this story so much because I know when I went off to college at 18, I was in a hurry to leave, went to summer school and I thought I was going to be a doctor And then that summer in in those classes, I had to take a, a PE class or an arts class. And so I chose modern dance. So at 18, I found dance, right? And I loved it, but it was detracting from the serious straight ahead studies. It did not really help me with getting up at 7.30 to go to those science classes because I was in rehearsals till 11.30 or 12 at night. So the two worlds were definitely opposing and, it was exhausting, like you said, to keep them separate. And at some point they have to kind of mesh. So, you know, I left that school, I went to a different school, still didn't study dance because it was not the practical thing. Chose instead to study, yeah, yeah. Chose instead to to study health education, which was exciting because like you and like so many of my listeners, we have huge hearts we want to serve people we just don't know what that's going to look like we think it's going to look like you know getting that degree and doing the things and, and going up that ladder but like you said most of us it is not a straight path we have to explore a lot of different things and finally you come to the other side of of oh okay this passion of mine this thing that helps me feel like me this thing that really lights me up it can indeed Turned into a career, and I know you turned your professional career into building this charity, which I really want to talk about because it's super special. Can we dive into that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, in my world in ballroom dancing in 2003, I fell during a dance competition and I injured my spine and I ended up out of work for five years and really it took a long time for me not only to physically rehabilitate, but also emotionally um, but really like, how do I let go of this dream? Right. Cause I left my corporate job. I left the thing you're supposed to do to pursue my passion. And, you know, in an instant it was gone, <clears throat> excuse me. So it took a long time for me to rebuild myself going back to what we talked about right at the beginning, because I had wrapped my whole identity of who I was as a person in this world as a dancer. I've danced since I was a kid. My mom was uh, when was a dancer when she was pregnant with me, so I've been dancing since I was an embryo. So dance, dance is is a part of me. So to have to let it go is what my doctors are saying. You know, you know, get a new hobby. I, was like, I don't, I don't understand how to do that. So it was a real emotional journey for me to let go of my world of ballroom dancing, and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. But once I got back to being physically able to to be on my own, to care for myself, you know, without constantly needing help from other people, I decided to move to San Diego where I live now and no friends, no family, no job. I was like, I'll figure it out what I get when I get there. The only thing I was positive was, was that I wasn't going to teach dance because that was still way too emotionally hard for me. Um, It reminded me of all the things I had to give up, all what what I had lost, and then The first job I took was as a ballroom dance instructor. But I was like, it's only temporary until I find a real job. (laughs) And I actually interviewed back at insurance companies again um, to go back into that world. But while I was teaching, I was teaching for Mary Murphy, who's a judge on the Fox TV show, So You Think You Can Dance, her studio is here in San Diego. And she asked if I would go out to the Naval Hospital here in San Diego, Naval Medical Center, and teach a six-week class. Um, at the time, there were, it was all men at the time because it was 2010, so we were still actively involved in wars in both Iraq and Afghanistan, and these were all combat injured Navy and Marine, and all had been fitted with a prosthetic, and they wanted to do a six week salsa class to kind of challenge their prosthetics, I mean, they're walking on and they're running on it, you know, why not dance? The gentleman who's in charge of physical therapy there, Mike Podlensky, a great dancer himself, an incredible salsa dancer, asked Mary to send in an instructor. And I was like, I'm all in. My dad was Air Force. My grandfather was Air Force. My entire family, mom's side and dad's side, have been in the military. Like, yeah, let's do this. And it was a way for me in that, like we talked about earlier, that service to other people to use my skill as a dancer, but also as a teacher, but also as someone who is really compassionate and caring to use this vehicle of dance, to bring a little bit of joy, to bring a bit of light and a little bit of happiness. Um, Cause we just had a blast. It was such a fun six weeks. Um, and then when it was, o- when it was over, I was like, oh, we're really on to something. And I didn't know what that something was, but I knew I just couldn't let it go. And so I asked if I could stay. And they're like, well, we don't really have funding for this. And I was like, I didn't ask you about money. I asked if I can come back next week. That's what I asked. Let me figure that part out. So they <laughs> let me keep coming. And I called actually a former dance student of mine, who's an attorney. And I was like, hey, John, I have a business degree, but we never studied nonprofits. Is this a nonprofit? Could I get someone to help me sponsor these kinds of classes? So I could keep this thing going, and he was like, "Yeah, I'll get you, you know, some paperwork to get started, but you need to form a board of directors." I was like, "A what now? I have to." Okay, all right. So I bought the book (laughs) "Nonprofits for Dummies" and started reading. And I was like, "Okay, this is what I need to do." And let me at least stay a couple chapters ahead and just (laughs) baptism by fire, learn as I go along. And it—I mean—it ended up being a charity that that ran for seven years. We ended up having 22 locations throughout the US. We were sponsoring salsa night in Afghanistan. It's what got me invited to a summit at the White House to speak about alternative therapies for veterans. It was like an amazing journey. Nothing that I could have foreseen coming, but was a combination of my, my own journey with physical, constant physical pain right, from my own back injury, my own loss of worth and loss of value from losing my, what I thought my professional career was going to be. So I'm dealing with these men and women who may have to leave the military, um, be medically retired or medically separated. And that might have been what they thought they were going to do with their lives. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of the Marines that I worked with, their, you know, their father was a Marine, their grandfather was a Marine, everybody in their family was a Marine. Like that's, we talk about being their worth, being their work, if you're not a Marine anymore, who are you? And if you ever talk to a Marine, you know that once a Marine, always a Marine, whether you're in the Corps or not, once a Marine, always a Marine. But there's also dealing with that same, yes, but you're not in the military anymore, go do something else.
0: Right. Right. Well, and that really leads to the, the topic of our conversation today about how do we learn to separate our work, the work we do, whether it's our passion work or whether it's the work that we decided we're going to do to fund passions or whatever it is, how do we separate that work from our self-worth? And I know you talked a little bit about that through your story, but if someone's listening right now and they're dealing with this, maybe they're pivoting, maybe they're wanting to do something different. And they have this idea of I'm so-and-so and I do this, or I am this, right? I can say that for 17 years, I ran a performing arts school. So when I decided not to do that anymore, I honestly had no idea who I was. So talk us through some steps on how do we separate it and how do we find our self-worth again once we've decided to pivot and do something else in our lives? Whew, it took me a long
1: time and multiple times of finding myself in the same place of going, I've got a problem here. Cause when my nonprofit ended, I got really sick. I got really stressed out, but I have Lyme disease. Um, so I got physically sick, but I was also emotionally drained and letting it go, letting it, letting something that you've built, that you created from scratch, like, you know, from starting your school, your school, letting go of something like, na- I get that now what feeling. And I, found myself in one of the most depressed states that I've ever been in my life. If I thought where I was after my back injury was bad, this was worse. And I, you know, at this ground level thinking like, man, I've done this again. I'm, I'm left feeling that I'm nothing without my job. How did I get here? And how do I not do this again? And that's when I really thought about my worth and my work have all been tied together. Who I am was defined by what I was and what I did. So piecing out what I call like your roles that you take on from the identity of who you are as a core is like a tangled, you know, ball of, of the string of lights, right? (laughs) Like picking those things out and going, okay, but when you're a dancer, you, what is it that you like? What is it that comes alive in you? Through dance, and it's oh, I I like expressing myself. I like um, entertaining. I like connecting with other people. Well, what is it you like about being a teacher? I like helping other people. I like bringing joy into the world. What do you like about being an improviser? Because I do improv. I like to make people laugh. I like to connect with other people. Like here's your connect. Here's your themes. If I start. To shift my focus on who I am when I'm at my best, then I can bring that into any role that I take on, right? So whether I'm a teacher, whether I have a I have a custom clothing business, whether I'm styling one of the gentlemen in my, in my business, I can still bring who I am into any role that I play because roles change. Um, we don't always control those. This last year is a great example of that for a lot of people, right? Um, You might have expected to do something, work in one area your whole life, because that's what you, as many of us have defined yourself by. So if I have to shift my definition of who I am to being, I'm a kind person, I'm a creative person, I'm a caring person, I'm a joyful, loving person, and that's who I am. I'm a joyful, loving, kind person who teaches dance. I'm a joyful, loving, kind person who teaches improv. I am all of these things in anything that I do. And so that if that job goes away, if I choose to stop participating in improv, if any of those roles go away, I am now really strong and really grounded and rooted in who I am at my core, separate from the roles I take on.
0: And that's really huge. So, so for all of you listening, I would say that, that you know, the one thing you could do after this interview, after you listen, or maybe you put, press pause and you do this right now, it is to write down who you are without any of those titles. Are you kind? Are you loving? What do you value? Who are you at your very core? And I love that you said that you can take all those with you no matter what you do. Because I often call myself you know, a, a content choreographer because everything that i do is all wrapped in the the idea of choreography for me and what it looks like you know the beginning is not always there and at the start of a project the ending is not there but i have this vision and it's just a matter of bringing the right people and the right resources together to make that happen so i love this so again if you're listening take some time even if you have your notes app open on your phone Who are you? What do you value? Think about those things and then separate that from what you are doing for work. And then you know what you can bring no matter where you go or how you pivot in life. I love that. Yeah. And
1: and if anybody, if anyone struggles with that, because I know it's not like, oh, hmm, I'm all these things. I didn't really know because I've never focused on it. Right? And there's nowhere in my education or training, either in school, in leadership, in sales, in any of those, where I'm encouraged to, to, to work on that piece of me. Right, I don't know where I'm supposed to learn this. So um, what I, how I got there was really thinking about when I feel, and this is the sentence I would ask people to ask themselves, when I'm at my very best. What are the emotions that come out of me? What are the feelings? Um, you know, and I, I use an example all the time of my sister in law is one of my best friends. She was my roommate in college. And she married my brother. How lucky am I? Um, when I sit down and have a cup of coffee with her, I lose all track of time. I'm so wrapped up in this conversation. And so it's not that I love coffee, but I do. <laughs> my sister-in-law of course but it's (laughs) that I love really connecting with people why do I love connecting with people because I love I want to be able to help them there's there's that love there's that kindness that, that there's that curiosity what do I love about being a dance teacher you know and really drilling down to not the task that I'm doing but the feeling that I'm getting out of it what is it that's you know that that fire that lights up in you You know, when you feel, I always talk about when you feel most alive, you feel like you're glowing. Well, you're glowing because there's a fire that's inside you. Well, what's lighting that fire? I'm trying to find the igniters. The igniters is, oh, when I feel I am allowed to be creative, I'm allowed to express my creativity, when I'm being kind, when I'm doing these things, that's when that fire is full in me. So it might take a while, but think about when you feel your best. In whatever role you take on, work, professionally, socially, whenever, whatever you feel your
0: best, what does that bring up for you? Right. And you mentioned that you know we're, we're not taught about these things. We're not taught to, to ask these questions of ourselves. We're just taught to go through life and, and get through things rather than to discover things about ourselves or explore things that we don't quite understand and things that keep rising to the surface. And our feelings are so often left out of business. We, I don't know where we learned that, you know, or it's just the the lesson we've all taken away from looking at businesses without knowing the inside workings of those things. So I, I really appreciate that you talk about getting to those feelings and the feeling of of being that glow, of having that glow, because if we can imagine ourselves in that, What if we could take that glow through us throughout the whole day, not just in one position, but really in our whole day. So everyone that we connect with during the day gets to be part of that glow. You get to bring them into that and let them feel what it feels like so that they can go on and offer that to somebody else as well. Absolutely. That's
1: I think of it as it's my it's it's glitter those, those feelings, my kindness, my creativity, my happiness, my joy, all those things is like glitter and everybody I interact with is going to get some glitter, you know, and like glitter. It's like, what did that, where did that come from? But so it's, it's, always, it's always there. And like when I have an interaction right. with somebody, you know, I have a neighbor in my building who's just the sweetest old man. And when I'm in a bad mood, man, if I run into him and the way he lights up when he sees my dog, he just he plays with my dog but it's having that conversation with him it's I'm bringing him a little bit of joy in his world because he loves my dog so much that I also then get something from it right it's that whole reciprocal giving and receiving thing that just 5 minutes there I'm filled back up again I've given a little glitter to him through my dog and his joy is given some back to me and it's my job to also figure out when I'm feel like I'm out of glitter, how do I find more? Um, but also in whatever job I'm doing, like, what if, what if I was back in insurance again, how could I still bring my kindness, my creativity? What if my focus was different back in my twenties? What if, I mean, there's my personal responsibility part of it too, that I was only looking at a job that I couldn't stand. And I kept trying to, you know, find more creative outlets. Um, And maybe it wasn't the right fit. But if there's a way to whatever job I'm in, or whatever job your listeners are in, to bring even one piece of that into your job. I'm sure that you've seen plenty of people in jobs, you're like, huh, how are they so happy? Like my UPS driver is the happiest guy on the planet. He's like whistling. He's like, He knows everybody's <laughs> name. He brings joy to his job. He's found it. I mean, there's got to be a way that we can find at least part of it in any role that we take on.
0: Right. Well, And I think the idea of us talking about this, too, and, and putting it out into the universe for more people to understand that at its very core we're responsible for the experiences we have whether we bring the negative feelings and the the low parts of our life or whether we're bringing the glitter and it's okay to have those low moments in life but yes like you said how do you then infuse the glitter how do you toss that glitter back on yourself so you can feel your best so this leads us to the next question that i want to ask and that's about the content you create how do you ensure that your unique style of glitter is infused through the content you create?
1: That's an important question.
0: (laughs) Because the content could be,
1: you know, a lot of people talk about the same things like self-development, self-help, self-improvement, those sorts of things. For me, being authentically me is what's is what to me that's like my brand, right? Authentically me means being real about suffering from depression, uh, handling the the ups and downs of my own life, being okay with getting therapy, but also being silly and being funny, because that's also a part of me. If I'm only you know serious and this, that's not that's not a hundred percent of who I am. Part of my gift of is that I don't know where I got this funny gene, but I better use it better use it. I like to make people laugh. And like, I also think that people learn better from when they're in a state of enjoyment, laughter, right? If I'm in a highly emotional state, it's real easy for me to block other people and other things out because I'm so inwardly focused on these negative emotions or feeling sad or whatever. Um, But if I can get someone laughing, if I can get them to kind of outside of themselves and sort of drop the front, it's much easier to connect with someone. It's much easier to be open and receptive to learning when you're more relaxed.
0: So good. And you're such a great example of why this podcast exists in the first place. The idea that being authentic in your own unique way, bringing your gifts, bringing, bringing your funny, bringing your serious, whatever that is for you, bringing that into your business and being you without trying to fit into the mold of being someone else, That's why this podcast exists. And that's why we talk about content. So let's talk about content and your favorite way that you love to create, because it can take so many forms. And I want to give people lots of examples of how people are out there creating what they love to create. So what is your favorite way to create content?
1: It's when we had talked a little bit earlier about um, improv. Improv for me has, is not just about being on stage and creating funny scenes and, and and laughter and joy, it's, it's literally practicing being creative, practicing being spontaneous. So using in improv, if we're creating a scene, right, there's if anyone has never seen improv, there's no props, it's everything is imaginary. So we imagine the scene that's on stage around us without any props with any, any design. So if somebody says there's a window over there, I now visually have to see a window. If that's a window, what else is true about this scene? So what else is what else must be in there? Okay, so if there's a window, maybe there's a bird in that window. And as a group, we always agree on whatever, whatever we come up with. Yes, and, and then we add to it. In con- creating content, I imagine, I'm creating a six week course. On week three, what are people going through? What does that look like on week three? What have they done to get here? I'm not worried about what's happening next, because that's that's another set of, imaginary, of imagination. But in week three, who are these people? Create them. The beauty of improv is that you just get to kind of step into a world, look around, explore what's in there. And if you don't like it, you swipe it and start over again. So when I'm creating something, I'm thinking about, okay, you know, okay, so this woman is in my course and she's done this and this is her backstory and this is what she's come with and what would she be working on right now? How do I address what she needs in this moment? And I create a whole scenario in my head and then I write it out. And then once I write week three, well, what had to have happened in week two for us to get to week three? So now I go backwards and I write week two. Well, if that's true, what else is true? I gotta go back to week one. So then my courses as I design them are all based on I'm creating a world. I look in there and I'm a spectator in this world. And sometimes I talk to myself, often I talk to myself, about what is happening in this world, what's going on around here, what are the conversations that we're who doesn't talk to us? My dog, my dog is a real, real great at participating in this. She doesn't say a word. Um But that's, you know, being creative doesn't have to just be limited to, I think when people think of um, being creative, they immediately think of art, physical art, like drawing something, painting something. I'm like creative can be having a creative conversation with yourself. Creative for me is imagining what would that look like? What does that look like? And if that's, if what I always learn in improv, if that's true, what else is true? And that phrase of if that's true, what else is true can apply to a lot of things, right? If I believe I'm where I'm supposed to be in life, if I want to take on that belief, if that's true, what else is true? Well, if I am where I'm supposed to be in life, then maybe don't stress about what's going on. Maybe this is where I'm supposed to be. Maybe you can
0: let it go. Hmm, i love that and it just reminds me that the idea of improv when you're making things up and you're using your imagination you're being supremely creative you're solving problems that's really no different than life in general where we literally every day get to create this own our own story and this is a much bigger topic for sure than we're going to have time to talk about on today's show but really just let that sink in the idea that You get to be in the driver's seat. You get to be the main character. You get to drive the story. How do you get to act? Are you going to be upset about something? Are you going to be happy about something? How are you going to weave other people into your story so that you can serve more people? So improv is such a great example of how fiction meets nonfiction, how we can weave those together to make our very best life. I just just love this analogy. Yeah, it's, it's in and I honestly hadn't either.
1: And it's um, it's been such an eye-opening uh, experience for me to use that in lots of aspects of my life. You know, I, we're talking before my tech issues there, we were talking about, you know, the the philosophy, if this is true, what else is true? Because that's kind of how you build an imaginary scene on stage in improv. Um, that same thing goes for you know, my journey in my own life and in my career, you know, if I believe that I take on that that thought process of I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And if that's true, what else in my life is true? Well, then all of the upsetness and the like, all the time that I'm spending worrying about something that didn't work out the way it was supposed that I thought it was supposed to, well, if it's true that everything is as it's supposed to be, well, then, that thing that didn 't work out was also then supposed to be that way too, and it allows me to let go of it a little easier when I can tap into that so in creativity to to solve a multitude of problems, issues, concerns, you know tapping into
0: our creativity is a, is, a, is a really great solution absolutely, and I think it's so often overlooked because, like you said. So many people view creativity as painting a masterpiece or being on the stage and performing. But I honestly see creativity as being a problem solver. And it sounds absolutely like you do as well because you you address so many things in your life with creativity and the idea of our whole conversation about separating our worth from our work and then being able to be the writers and creators of the story and asking ourselves, if this is true, well, then what else is true? These, right. these two really diverse, divergent topics, somehow managed to tie themselves together in this conversation, which I think is the the best part about podcasting and about connecting like this, because sometimes, you know, I have an idea of what I want to talk about and what I want to ask, but other times, we just start talking and the conversation flows and one thing leads to another. And by the end, it's a surprise as to what's going to be the end result. So thank you for playing along with me today and, and dealing yeah. with your tech issues.
1: <laughs> Got to love it. And that's, that's the other. I mean, going back to what you said earlier, too, um, I get to choose how I react to this as well.
0: Yes, so that's a
1: big one. I could be, I can get really frustrated by this, but it won't change the result. I can let go. I can decide not to put my emotions into a tech issue. I could choose to. That's my choice. Yeah. I'd rather choose my energy elsewhere.
0: <laughs> yes. And and again, it, it all boils down to this idea of choice. We choose whether or not we can separate our work from our worth. We choose how we want to react in a situation. We choose what our, the story we are creating today is going to be. And the idea of us being able to choose, that just feels really powerful and a really great place to start the day rather than, oh, man. I have to do this and this, and I should be doing this and this, like, that's just a really bad way to, to a, a bad place to be anytime during right. the day. So my friends, for those of you listening, you have the choice to choose happiness. You have the choice to choose something else. You have the choice to create a positive story with a happy ending. You also have a choice to create a story that doesn't have a happy ending, but ultimately you are the master of your life. And choice is the thing that separates us from all from everything else. I, this idea of choice. So I want to make sure, Jen, that people can connect because I know this is a big conversation and I think people are going to really want to continue having this conversation with you. So where is the best place for them to connect with you? Real easy.
1: My website, very simple. It's my jenables.com, J-E-N-A-B-L-E-S.com.
0: Perfect. And I will definitely put that in today's show notes. And you can find the show notes on my website also at my name, youngpratt.com. Just go up to the search bar in the right upper hand corner and search Jen's name up there and you can find her episode directly. Well, Jen, I want to thank you so much for coming here today and sharing all your quirkiness, which I love. I love that we're very much kindred spirits and we got to share that on video and audio today. I love how you persevered through the crazy tech because that's just the reality of having an online business and being in this space. But again, we get to choose how we're going to react. And I appreciate that you came back and to go. And I love the twinkle lights in the background. They've taken on a much more vibrant characteristic. <laughs> and so what a great way to wrap up this show. I so appreciate you being here today.
1: My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having
0: me on. Oh my gosh. What did you think about this conversation with Jen about separating your work from your self worth and imagining your life as an improv stage where you get to be the actor, you get to create the story, you get to include other people in the story and you get to make it exactly what you want it to be. I would love to continue this conversation with you over inside my Facebook group, the arena of awesome. It is still open to new members and it is still free. I invite you to join me over there where I go live at least once a week, bringing you lots of tools and tips and secrets on how to amplify your awesome through your content and how to turn your content into a veritable gold mine that has endless income streams for you just head over to youngpratcom slash arena, and you can join us right there in the arena of awesome. I will see you on the next episode. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to the Amplify Your Awesome podcast. Let's continue this conversation inside my Facebook community, the arena of awesome, while it's still free and open to new members. Come share your biggest takeaways and ahas. Plus, every week inside the arena, you'll get access to me and I may even share content I don't share anywhere else. Until next time, my friend, go out there today and amplify your awesome.